another edition of Sports with Yosef. I'm Yosef Messenger, and today I'm going to be talking about the Ravens Raiders game, as well as the Raiders Ravens Falcons game. I'll also be talking about who the Ravens should start at quarterback against the Kansas City Chiefs, as well as who is the greatest quarterback in Ravens franchise history according to the stats, and even more than that, why he shouldn't be starting ever in the National Football League. Then in about 10 minutes, I'll take a look at the NFL playoffs. And finally, in about 13 minutes, a look at Hot Stove Baseball and all the exciting news that has been happening there all coming up and more. Sports with Yosef. So the Ravens, they did okay against the Raiders in the first half. But it came down to, well, the unexpected man. And this um, and what was really interesting about the first half, Lamar only ran the ball twice. And Lamar's key success was running the ball, and he was throwing the ball decently. Almost every throw, though, was a step behind where it shouldn't, where it should have been. That was a bit of a reason to worry, but it was definitely better from where it had been. Taking a look at his stats for that game, he had a 56.0 completion percentage, down from 68.4% against the Bengals. 178 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions, passer rating of 58.4. But I'm, when I'm looking at those two interceptions, and for those of you who saw the game, you'll know what I'm talking about. They were both off of a receiver's hands. One went through a receiver's hands, one receiver had it in both of his hands, and it, it just went up into the air, off, uh, and then a Raider tipped it to another Raider for the interception. But they were both in the first half. Lamar Jackson was decent throwing the football, but... What really happened in the first half was a guy who had come from the Patriots. The Ravens had picked him up. His name was Cyrus Jones. He was a punter turner. And he had cost, almost cost the Patriots a game back in 2016 when he fumbled twice for the Ravens to get the ball when they were in to start the second half in Foxborough. And he had a 70-yard uh, punt return touchdown for the Ravens. Coming to halftime, Ravens in a close game. Coming out of halftime, it was completely different. Lamar Jackson was throwing the ball better. You saw other guys making big plays, including the veteran. The guy who has not stopped playing at a high level for many, many years, Terrell Suggs. He had a fumble return touchdown, a 47-yard fumble return touchdown. He did great, and it wasn't just... Terrell Suggs, though, Mark Andrews, and Lamar Jackson connected for a deep play from one end of the field to the other. And the Ravens just played really well. Gus Edwards did a great job in running the ball again. He did have a bit of an ankle injury after that game, which lasted really still going on right now as we speak. But he's confident in it, that it has been good, and it has been looking good for the Ravens as they won that game to get above 500. At six and five, and then they went to Atlanta. Lamar Jackson, he started again his first career start on the road, and it was a weird game. And it started off not on how good Lamar Jackson was playing, but how good the defense was playing. Coming up against such a great offense in Atlanta, which has Matt Ryan, the veteran quarterback, came in the same draft class as Joe Flacco, who is inactive once again for the Ravens. That Right hip's still bothering him. They have Julio Jones, arguably the best receiver in football right now. You've got other guys next to him on the tight end, Austin Hooper. The running game in Tevin Coleman. 
you've got more wide receivers in the draft. Young first-year player, Calvin Ridley. And I'm forgetting other people as well, as that is a very stacked Falcons team. And the Ravens defense, they shut them down. Lamar Jackson, he was okay taking a look at his stats. He had a 57.1 completion percentage, 125 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions, 74.5 rating. There's no passing touchdowns, I should say. He had a rushing touchdown in each of the Raiders and the Falcons game. And it's been really interesting what the Ravens have been able to do with Lamar Jackson. Uh, quick on a quick tangent here. They have scored on their first drive in three consecutive games, something they've really not been able to do with Joe Flacco. And you can really see how explosive he is on that first drive. Teams aren't really able to cope with it. And the Ravens able to go down and score. So there's that side tangent. But Lamar Jackson, he was okay, but there wasn't something else which he really struggled with against the Falcons. It wasn't interceptions, it was fumbles. He fumbled the ball three times. Once he, he recovered himself, once recovered by the veteran Marshall Yonda, and the other time recovered by Vic Beasley for a touchdown. He ran 70 something yards to get that touchdown but the Ravens they were getting the field goals from Dustin Tucker and the second half well Lamar Jackson went down with an injury he was called from the guys from above who were watching the game they saw he had taken a kick to the head on when Alex Lewis went down and they he went into concussion protocol and went into the blue tent and everyone really got a scare when he was then taken to the locker room uh, the Ravens announced that that was because it was too loud on the field for them to be able to hear well enough to be able to do what they needed to do to get Jackson back in. But RG3, he came into the game and he played well. He took the Ravens game plan from exactly where it was, executed it perfectly. Lamar Jackson and, and RG3 really do have similar styles, so it's really easy for the Ravens to be able to get that done. But the Ravens, they had a strip sack by Patrick Unwasu in the second half and recovered and run in for a touchdown by Tavon Young. And one of the reasons, though, that the defense did so well and had, since Lamar Jackson's come in, and especially against the Falcons, has been time of possession. The Ravens against the Raiders, they controlled the ball for 34 minutes, 12 seconds, versus Oakland's 25 minutes, 48 seconds. But in Atlanta, an incredible stat, the Ravens controlled the ball for 39 minutes, 39 seconds, to Atlanta's 20 minutes. 21 seconds, almost twice as much time on the field. You have your defense more charged up. The offense doesn't get as tired as easily. And that was huge for the Ravens' defense to be able to get out there and play so well. The Ravens, they've got some other decisions to make, though. Who should start against the Chiefs? Joe Flacco and Mar Jackson. If Joe Flacco, from what I've been hearing, is not yet 100%. He's still been limited to practice, but he's been there for the full practice, which has been good to see. And here are the pros and cons of each. Lamar Jackson, he's young, he can't read defenses, he's going to be on a road environment. But Lamar Jackson, he's electric, he sets up the run game because you've got guys watching him and not Edwards, you've guys got watching Edwards, not him. They've got a great tandem, he's great at the slants. He's going to not take as many sacks as Joe would, but he's inexperienced, he's not going to throw the ball away sometimes as he should. Versus, you've got a guy, Joe Flacco, he's rusty, he's been right... When he was on a three-game losing streak when he went down versus Lamar Jackson is on a three-game winning streak. Joe's got a great arm. He'll be able to throw the ball all over the field, make all the throws. Throws that Lamar Jackson right now cannot make. But at the same time, he doesn't have that ability in the run game. He's not as explosive, not as dynamic, and definitely not 
as exciting to watch as Lamar Jackson. And the Ravens have to make a decision, and I think they're going to go with Lamar. I think they... I mean, I'm not really sure what they should do. It's a very tough decision. It's going to come from Steve Bishotti if Joe Flacco plays. And what the Ravens are going to need to be able to do, though, is go out there. And they'll probably have Flacco come in for a couple plays, kind of like what they did with Lamar in the first half of the season, where they would have him come in for a play or two, and that would work well, do different stuff like that. We could see Joe Flacco coming in like that. Or they could be alternating drives. I don't think they should do that. I think it would really just mess up the rhythm of the offense too much. But Lamar Jackson, he's been resilient after throwing a pick, after giving up that inter- that fumble return for a touchdown. He came right back on the field and did well. But it's going to be very interesting. And here's another quarterback the Ravens could theoretically start. The guy who is the greatest quarterback in Ravens franchise history, according to the stats. And his name is Sam Cook. Besides from being one of the best punters right now in the NFL, Sam Cook. He's a perfect 5-for-5 throwing the football. He had a fake punt 21 yards down the field to Chris Moore against the Falcons. And he hit Chris Moore in stride on a deep slant. You don't see many guys do this. Johnny Hecker for the Rams is also very good at this. But Sam Cook, the Ravens, they do such a good job with him. He's perfect. He's 5-for-5. His official stats, 69 yards. Quarterback rating of 180. 18.8. He's never he's thrown two passes in a year once. That was last year for 38 yards. He's got an average of 13.8. He has picked up the first down on four out of the five attempts. The one time he didn't back in 2015 where he got negative three yards on the play. But He's done great for the Ravens, and they definitely should not be starting him. That is obvious, just because he, I mean, he's a punter. He's not a quarterback, but he's done such a good job for the Ravens with the fake punts and with punting the football. I'm just looking at his punting stats for a minute. 47 punts, a 47.0 average, the long of 65. 23 of the 47 have been inside the 20. He's really done a great job this year, as he does every year. And it's really been a lot of fun for to have him as a Ravens. He makes great punts exciting. He's made tackles. He's caught up with guys. They definitely shouldn't be starting him. But he's a lot of fun to watch. And he is the Ravens' best quarterback. Ravens franchise history, according to the stats. A quarterback rating, completion percentage, is better than Drew Brees. Let's take a look at the NFL playoffs. And it started out for the Ravens with great luck because... Sunday Night Football last week. After the Ravens, they beat the Falcons. The Steelers hosting the Chargers. The Chargers, the number one wild card. Steelers, they were in the division lead for the Ravens and still are in the division lead. But here came the Chargers driving down the field. Last couple seconds. 39-yard field goal attempt for a rookie kicker. And the it is no good but a flag on the play. The Steelers jumped off sides, make it a 34-yard field goal attempt. Blocked by Artie Burns, but nope, he was offsides also. The third attempt from 29 yards is up and good, and another flag on the play, another offsides penalty on the Steelers. This one declined. The Steelers fell to 7-4-1. The Ravens at 7-5 are half a game back for the division lead. Looking at the rest of the games for the Ravens and Steelers, the Ravens, they're in Kansas City. Chiefs, they're going to probably lose that. They're going to be then hosting the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Win that. Go to Chargers. Win that. 
Home against the Browns, win that. Versus the Steelers, they're going to Oakland without James Conner, they'll still win that. Going to the Saints, lose that. Host the Patriots, lose. Host the Bengals to end the season. The Bengals team without their starting quarterback, Andy Dalton, who is out for the season. Well, the, the Steelers should win that, but if that happens as I predicted it, the Ravens, they'll be 10, 6, and no. Steelers, 9, 5, and 1. Ravens will be in a division winners for the first time since 2012 on that magical Super Bowl run. Let's take a look at some of the other spots in the playoffs for the AFC. Kansas City Chiefs are the number one seed. Patriots the number two seed. The Texans and the Steelers are now on top of the divisions. The Ravens and Chargers, the wild cards in the hunt. It's the Titans, they're 7-5. No, 7-6, I'm sorry. Dolphins are 6-6. Six six. Colts are 6-6. Six six. NFC, Rams are number one spot. They have clinched the division. They win this week against the Bears. They will clinch a bye in the playoffs. The Saints at 10-2. They're the number two seed of the Vikings. 6-5-1. They're in the sixth seed right now. The Seahawks. They're the other wildcard team. They're 7-5-0. Cowboys leading the AFC, the NFC East. They're 7-5. The Bears at 8-4 on top of the NFC North. In the hunt for the NFC, it's the Panthers at 6-6. Six six, the Eagles at 6-6. Six six. But... All the more so, these are, last weeks are going to be so important for different seeding. The Patriots try and hold on to that number two seed. The Chargers, I don't really know how it's going to work. I've always wondered about this. Let's say you've got a great team like the Chargers. Who, if they win the next three games, let's go back to these stats I had. The Chargers, when they're 9-3. They're the Patriots, they're 9-3. The Patriots right now, they're the projected two seed. The Chargers are the projected fifth seed. Let's say the Patriots go... Let's say the Chargers win three of the last four games. Patriots win two of the last four games. I'm not saying that's going to happen. Do the Chargers become the number two seed? Or even though they'll have the second best record in the AFC, the Chargers, they have a showdown with the Kansas City Chiefs. That could even give them a division lead. This is a huge couple weeks. A lot of fun to watch. Some great games coming up. It should be a lot of fun to watch. Can't wait for it. And let's take a look at uh, Hot Stove Baseball. A lot's been happening, especially with the Miami Marlins, who've been making many, many, many minor league moves. When I was scrolling through all the hot stove moves that have been happening since the end of the season, the Marlins probably had a... They were just like oh, ridiculous amounts of Marlins minor league moves. And one of the notable ones that I did keep to share, Pedro Alvarez signed with the Marlins to a minor league contract. He's invited to spring train the Astros. Signed free agent catcher Robinson Chirinos. Red Sox signed right-handed pitcher Nathan Navaldi. That's a four-year deal. Huge deal there in the AL East. Probably just knocked the Yankees out of a division spot right now. Minnesota Twins, I mean, pending any Harper Machado moves there. Minnesota Twins signed free agent second baseman Jonathan Scope. Philadelphia Phillies traded right-handed pitcher Luis Garcia to the Angels for Jose Alvarez, a left-handed pitcher. The Diamondbacks traded... Paul Goldschmidt to the Cardinals for catcher Carson Kelly, right-handed pitcher Luke Weaver. Second baseman Andy Young and future considerations. Kansas City Royals signed free agent outfielder Chris Owings from the Diamondbacks. Detroit Tigers signed free agent left-handed pitcher Matt Moore. Diamondbacks also signed right-handed pitcher Morel Kelly. Mariners traded second baseman Robinson Cano, Edwin Diaz, and Cash to New York Mets. For right fielder Jay Bruce, right-handed pitcher Anthony Swarzak, 
Right-handed pitcher Gerson Bautista. Center fielder Jared Kalenic. Right-handed pitcher J Justin Dunn. And that just pumps up that NL East, which is right now, in my opinion, the best division in baseball when you've got the Phillies. The Nationals, who made breaking news when they signed the pitcher who is probably the most coveted out of all, Patrick Corbin, for six years, over $120 million. That really bolstered their rotation. The Seattle Mariners, though, they also traded Gene Segura. Right-handed pitcher Juan Nicesio. Left-handed pitcher James Pazos. To the Philadelphia Phillies for Carlos Santanda and J.P. Crawford at first base and shortstop, respectively. Cleveland Indians traded Jan Gomes to the Nationals for right-handed pitcher. Jeffrey Rodriguez and Daniel Johnson and a player to be named later. And as so many more guys are still out there, as Keiko Machado, Harper, so many more guys. I'll be talking about them on later episodes. Hope you'll be listening, and I hope you enjoyed this one, because thank you for listening to this edition of Sports with Yossi. I'm Yossi Messenger. I'll see you next time.